to me, it is a sacrament because it's a way we can go beyond our ego without needing anyone or any permissions or any rules or regulations or books or anything else other than yourself and your courage. Being able to have the opportunity to have that direct communion with whatever it is you're seeking, you know, the oneness, source, God, it doesn't matter. It's sacred because it gives you that opportunity. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hello there, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. Of course, welcome back if you're a return guest. If you're new to the show, well, super happy to have you. You've come to the right place to hear about psilocybin for self-development. In this episode, you're going to hear one of my favorite formats, and that is where I talk with a guest of a sacred mushroom retreat just after they've had their first psilocybin experience. You know, after administering more than 3,000 doses of psilocybin, I've got to say, I'm still not tired of listening to folks integrate, especially newbies. This is an experience unlike any other folks, and it is my greatest honor to be able to bring it to people, share it with people, and then share their experiences with you. I know people love reading about trip stories online, and these podcasts, these are gold, and you know it. So sit back, relax, and get ready for another average person (laughs) sharing their story of sacred mushrooms. Now, Simone is anything but average. She's an incredible lady. She surprised me as we were sitting down with the fact that she used to be a journalist putting me on the spot just before I interviewed her. And now she is a horse trainer with her husband in Texas. Pretty amazing stuff. Pretty amazing lady. She came to psilocybin after years of yoga and meditation looking for something that could help her get into direct contact with divinity. And she found it, but it didn't look like she had thought it would. Anyway, I'm going to let her tell her story. Before I get out of the way, though, don't forget to go check out our YouTube page. We've been doing some fun and interesting and informative videos there. Look to see more coming out in the future. Be sure to subscribe to that. Subscribe to this. Tell your friends. Give us a rating. Five stars if you would. No, seriously, it does a lot for us to get exposure. We're an organic growth podcast, and all of the word-of-mouth advertising we can get goes a long way. So share it with your friends, give it five stars, and keep listening. Now, won't you extend a warm welcoming to Simone. So, a journalist, would you talk about that? I'd love to hear more about that. Now, now I feel very intimidated. Oh, no need to. <laughs> oh, no need no. to. I mean, local news. Interviewing is an art. It is. It is, and you have to exercise that muscle to get really good at it. Okay, well, maybe now it'll kind of help me feel a little bit like we're a little bit more equal ground. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Simone, to Psilocybin Says. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. Before we get 
started into all that, would you would you please share with me and the audience as well? Though your history as a journalist, that's a just sprung that on me as we sat down here. Okay, um, so I have a communications degree um, and started out in television. Um, so I was a TV reporter, and um, I guess I've worked in newspapers. My favorite's radio because mm-hmm. it's much more personal. Why do you find radio more personal? Because you're in someone's living room or their kitchen every day mm. at the same time and they hear you and they mm. might not see you but you're talking and they call you and they're not intimidated by a camera in their face and they tell you things that they're, they're generally more relaxed and more themselves than when they're kind of deer in the headlights in front of a, mm-hmm. a camera. Mm-hmm. And you have more time. In TV news, you have 30 seconds to a minute, you know, and it's just not... It's very formulaic, but in radio you have time to get into a story, to get into an interview, and it's much more satisfying, I found. Was it local radio news? or I worked for someone that was like NPR mm-hmm. kind of deal mm-hmm. or um, yeah, public radio. Mm-hmm. There's a ABC in Australia, the Australian mm-hmm. Broadcasting Corporation, has television and um, radio, and it was talk radio, so it was news and talk radio. You'd um, cover local events and people would call in, talk about it, or you'd do an in-depth interview. It was a whole range of things, really. Okay, wow. So that's kind of what it how, was. How long did you do that for? Um, I did different roles within that for probably about three years. Okay. Maybe a bit more. Do you have any particular interviews that stand out? Oh, yeah, a few. I mean, you'd you'd be there'd be like... Um, bushfires or floods and you're talking to everybody to calling in giving your median information so everybody knows where the fire is going mm. um where is safe what the wind is doing you know that is amazing because you're really you have this very important service that you that you're offering to your um your local region and then you might be interviewing the Prime Minister when he's coming up to do a local visit um you might be interviewing the country music um, superstar during the music festival, like it varies mm-hmm. and it's all walks of life, and that's what I love it, loved about it. Mm. That's one of the things I love most about this work is meeting so many people from so many just walks of life. Like you said, so do you do you miss that at all? Or I do, because when we came over here 15 years ago, I was really giving up my career. Mm. Um, I had a two and a half hour talk show. <coughs> oh wow. And, um, and it covered news and um, interviews, basically. And, yeah, I had kind of mourned that for a little while, but it was a conscious decision. We were coming mm-hmm. over from um, my husband's career. And I do miss that part of myself. I, I kind of still do it in the work that we have now, but it's not quite the same. But, yeah, I, I'm still a journalist in my mind, even though I don't actively do it every day. Yeah, It helps me understand the better now why you've been such a good listener and so obviously curious about other people throughout I the wasn't time sure what you were going to yeah, say no, yeah. that's interesting um yeah. yeah looking back now I can see how oh that adds up so maybe to have a, a horse podcast <laughs> Like no. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we do do a few interviews for our for our business, mm. um, but you know, it's kind of and and I enjoy that, but it's always about the same kind of topic, and mm. I love the variety. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still get to um, 
it's just always interesting to hear somebody's story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always. Well, tell us your story. How did, how did you come to psilocybin? I've always been a seeker. Mm. Always been a seeker. And, you know, which is a good and a bad thing because it's like, is something ever enough? Because you're always seeking. But if you don't seek, then what is life? It's, a, you know, it's an adventure. It's to go forth and seek and discover and learn new things. Um, and <clears throat> I guess I was never prepared to accept what I was told. And so I've kind of always done different things. I pursued the, the Buddhist avenue for, you know, for a long time, um, which was kind of different for where I'd grown up and what most of my friends and family were into. They thought I'd joined a cult when I went and did three months in France <laughs> <I bet. laughs> at a retreat. And that was always part of that, you know, part of the seeking was always about finding discovering what spirituality was Mm. and what it meant to me and how I was going to be a spiritual person. And Buddhism filled a lot of those needs, but it didn't fill everything. Mm. Um, And so it's just, you know, like life, you're always evolving. Um, I got into raw food for spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I read some books and people said they were vibrating at a different a different level when they ate raw food and I went oh damn I'll try that that's my fast track you know mm-hmm. and it wasn't because it's never one thing and and everyone's experiences are always different but it was a j- part of the journey I really enjoyed and I learned things about myself and mm. I'm still vegetarian to this day but you know not necessarily raw food anymore it's a lot of work you know psilocybin I guess I've been you know I love reading about different things and I guess my first exposure to uh, to psychedelics was probably ayahuasca and I had I was on the verge of booking a trip to Costa Rica to do um, an ayahuasca retreat and um, then found out I was pregnant so that was I don't know seven or eight years ago and and you know I was disappointed at the time but it wasn't to be and you know life gets busy and you sort of forget about certain things and then you come back to certain things um and then I started reading more about psilocybin and mushrooms just seem I don't know if they are but I guess because they grow of the earth it just feels like a more natural way to enter into psychedelics Mm. I, I read Michael Pollan's book and just have known for a couple of years that that's something I really wanted to experience for myself. When you say you've always been a seeker, was there a period in your life where you really kind of woke up and realized you were a seeker or had you been brought up in a spiritually minded household? Mm-mm. No, I'm not even christened. Um, I mean, my parents took us to church occasionally they're both christened they couldn't agree on what we were going to be one's (laughs) one's anglican i mean like episcopalian one's presbyterian and obviously they're they're divorced now and (laughs) they couldn't even agree on that so we didn't happen for us um which is you know not a bad thing i kind of felt like i was free to make my own choice then Mm. but in, in in other respect it does make you a seeker because i hadn't been exposed or schooled especially Mm. I had you know, been to church, did a little bit of Sunday school. I had some awareness in terms of, um, you know, the Christian belief system. But I always knew it wasn't for me. And I really appreciate elements of it, but it wasn't for me. When did you start to actively look 
for your spirituality? What age were you? Oh, what? oh, okay. So I was actually probably 13. Okay. Um, and I did have a moment where um, I had a friend who was Christian and I was really seeking, um, seeking that connection. And I went to church with her and I went to a church retreat with her and everyone's sitting around and they're feeling the Holy Spirit and God's talking to them and they're all praying and they're all looking very um, earnest and very much into it. And and I just got silence and I was asking and I was like, you know, talk to me, God. <laughs> you know, I'm really, I'm really looking for for you and for guidance and all of that and um i guess i felt like oh you know god or jesus doesn't really want me Mm. so so it really started probably even before them but that was that was one active path i could take even though my parents weren't doing it. this is just what i was doing with my friend and so i I guess i felt rejection Mm. and um and then went looking in other in other ways you know, that's interesting how that relates to what you were sharing in terms of your experience leading up, your experiences leading up to this, where you felt like it was for everybody else and not for you. Mm-hmm. It all goes back to that. Yeah. Interesting. I think so. Or, or, or before that, I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, I did. I then developed this, I guess, self-belief that spiritual experiences won't happen to me and so I would seek them more and more and do all these crazy things like thinking raw food would bring me spiritual spiritual realization um maybe it did for some people Hmm. but that's why I was really trying to come to this experience with no expectations or as little expectations as I didn't want to put pressure or um I didn't want to put it into a box Hmm. And then be surprised or disappointed or be able to say, see, I told you so. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen. And I'm so thrilled for Mm -hmm. that. So aside from Pollen's book, what did you expose yourself to to prepare for this or that maybe enticed you? Reading a lot of other people's experiences online. And I know I've read other books and I just cannot, I cannot think. It's okay. I was just kind of curious if you were mainly reading material around psychedelic spirituality or if it was also covering mental health there's obviously overlap but there's also a bit of distinction between the two yes you mean like in terms of depression or anxiety right like a lot of people come to psilocybin specifically for depression anxiety etc and then people come to it just for spirituality and then people often find like i said there's an overlap Uh, yes i mean we yeah i went to a psychic once and she was well she was a medium actually and she was saying I guess she was talking about my grandmother and talking about the depression my grandmother had and started talking to me like saying it's okay to have depression and I'm looking at it thinking but I don't have depression Hmm. and then I walked away from that going god am am I depressed and I don't even I don't even know it and I think I don't think, obviously not clinically depressed, but I think that, that that's a state of normal that we get mm-hmm. used to and mm-hmm. we don't realize mm-hmm. this funk that we're in. And um, I do think it's, you know, you go through periods of your life where you're just at different, at different levels on that scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's always going to be beneficial, even if you don't think you have mental health issues, there's elements of there of that in all of us mm-hmm. at different stages of our lives. Yeah. 
healthy healthy normal is um what think, is that yeah it's a falsity right there's just, it just doesn't exist uh, so okay well share share if you would your introduction and experience with the mushrooms here what that's been like okay yeah i guess having been in a lot of retreat settings it serves me in that I am used to meeting people from all walks of life who are after all different things. Um, and so that's that's easy for me then to come into a new environment with people I don't know and start talking about personal things and opening yourself up to, you know, it's kind of intimate, I guess, when you're talking about these these. Mm-hmm these issues spirituality mental health issues in your life or problems that you're trying to resolve mm-hmm. um sometimes the stranger element helps that yes because i had a very good friend of mine said i cannot believe you're going and taking yourself off and doing this and i was it didn't because i've always done that my whole life it was it's it doesn't occur to me like that and i was surprised by her reaction <laughs> and i thought well i guess for some people that's a scary step mm-hmm. and I understand that. So then coming here, as I say, it wasn't, um, it wasn't intimidating and, um, and you guys make it very relaxed and easy and um, very normal, actually. <laughs> it is normal for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting having those conversations with you about how you integrate it in your life and it's not... It's not a thing. It's not weird. It's not shameful. It's not cool. It's just it's just what you do because mm-hmm. it's something that's important to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, easy to come in. And then the first morning, Tuesday morning, when we had our first trip or experience, there I did have anxiety. Like it wasn't easy to do. I had anxiety the whole leading up to it. Um, the morning of, I think I wasn't sure which day, if we were doing it day two or day three, mm. which was good because then I I couldn't get myself terribly mm, worked up. anxious about mm. it. And Courtney said, oh, yeah, it's today. And I was like, okay. And then we just sat down and I was introduced to these little dried mushrooms <laughs> that smelled okay and tasted okay. <laughs> you seem to enjoy them actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, these are great, like chips. <laughs> yeah, a bit of salt. I could have them as a snack. Um and and so then I was eating them before I even had time to think about it. And then it was done. It was done. Mm. And um, and I, I was surprised because I'm a person who always gets nauseous about anything. So I was expecting that and it didn't happen the first time, which was great. Um, and then it just slowly came on faster than I was expecting. And, um, you know, first you feel it in your body. It's a vibration. And then, then next thing you know, you're kind of, you're in this very internal world that's just really fascinating. Hmm. Yeah. You spent a lot of time by yourself that day. I felt like I just kind of wanted to retreat and be kind of cave-like. And, and I was saying that today, both experiences followed a similar pattern where I wanted to internalize the first few couple of hours or however long it was, three hours, and just be, I had to have my eyes closed and just experience this inner world. And then I came out of that and I wanted to experience the world with my eyes open and, and kind of interact with nature. 
And the, yeah, it was the same both times in that sense, even though they were very different experiences. Mm-hmm. What do you feel, if anything, that your yoga meditation retreats brought into this experience or allowed you in this experience? Definitely help you with the breathing. Mm. Like it's kind of trained in me now. Mm-hmm. Breathe, breathe, breathe. And I think that's why, I mean, I get anxiety, sure. But um, I think I always come back to the breath, mm-hmm. always. And it it gets you through everything Mm -hmm. like anything difficult anything stressful it helps you pass through that that wave of panic or whatever it might be isn't it amazing that this most powerful tool that we have is always with us it's part of our autonomic nervous system just always there yes and i hear myself tell my kids especially my daughter you know, use the breath, come back to the breath. And I get how silly that sounds. It sounds so simple that it's, you dismiss it. You don't Mm -hmm. put faith in it, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's vital, Mm -hmm. literally. The simple practices that have the most impact usually. Absolutely. A friend of mine in Jamaica who's passed on now, but he was a pretty wise old Rasta man. And he talked as the years went on, he started to get into a deeper understanding of kind of the mystical nature of the breath. And I remember he would talk about it, that breath is the portal between the two worlds. That, you know, when you breathe out all of your breath, that you're like on the cusp of death, basically. And then you breathe in and you're reborn. And you can be reborn, basically, every moment of the day. It was just kind of a beautiful connection to the breath that I had never considered that I have been able to take into my psychedelic experiences. And I really appreciate you sharing that because when people come to psychedelics, they're looking for, what do I, what do I take into this that helped me get through it? And the breath is pretty much the only thing you need. Mm -hmm. It's the most valuable tool Mm -hmm. by far that you can Mm -hmm. stay aware Mm -hmm. of. Because it's your mind and your body all at once. It's something to focus on. It's hmm. sustaining your body. It puts you back in your body when you're kind of freaking out. Wow, the mind, yeah. Calms you down. Like it's it's, a, it's got its own rhythm. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, wow. And that even touches what he would say, that he would talk about how the breath was the, the spirit of life, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, mind, body, and spirit all together yeah. in the breath. Wow, that's powerful. Forward through the day, you're spending more time. You get to hugging some trees. You get to spend some time. Oh, yes. I'd love it if you could expand on that of expansive moment or time period that you had by yourself just being with the lake and the, the trees and and whatnot that's a really powerful experience and window of time uh, I, i'd love it if you could share more about that on the first day or the second day well the, like you well, said there's kind of a, a trajectory to both days where you had that similar window of time sharing that experience in how time seemed to slow and how you understood that that window Mm -hmm. okay so when I first walked outside I was just kind of not really doing anything just checking out not even knowing where I was going or what I wanted Um, and there was a tree there I put my hand out on the bark and just kind of felt it it's amazing to feel something and not think something (laughs) like you feel it for the first time Mm. and then I found myself walking towards another tree 
and um, and for some reason I thought, oh, this tree is not as pretty as the other tree. I don't know why I thought that, hmm. you know. That's kind of a weird judgment to make. But the tree that wasn't as pretty in some sense or as dominant, I don't know, I just found myself putting my arm around and then I put my face against it and then my other arm and then I'm just in this embrace and I just... I just felt the tr- I just felt like the tree and I were kind of one and the tree's hugging me back. And in some respects, if I heard myself say this, I would, you know, laugh my ass off. Mm. But there was truth in it or something. Like it was just really sweet. And then I walked down to the dock, was just watching the birds and I did try to meditate at one point, which um which I did kind of laugh at myself because meditation you you're kind of clearing the mind of thoughts and when you're tripping it's all full of you know all sorts of crazy thoughts I didn't have that skill in that moment but it was okay and I just was happy to observe nature and that was really cool because you know you feel like even if you're trying to relax and you're out there watching this beautiful view the rest of your mind's still working on other things and Mm. thinking about other conversations with people and what you've got to do so you're not really in the space you're Mm. not really present and then it was similar to that the second time but um, it was more like the display of nature was putting on her best and her finest and showing me everything I walked out onto the balcony and I felt like I walked into it almost like a spotlight of the sun beaming down absolutely in a spotlight of sun yeah yeah Yeah. and I just felt like it was just warming my soul and Mm. it was there for me to just fill me up and I looked around and it was quite windy and cold I guess not terribly cold but it was it was invigorating and I was like not cold isn't that interesting and then I just lay down and the water was just this it was like a sea of sparkling diamonds it was like the wind, you could hear the wind song through the chimes and the birds, the soft calling of the birds. And it was like this blessing that I received mm. from nature. Mm. I felt like I just received this beautiful gift and I was just entranced by this beautiful scene before me. And then after that, I was just so quiet and content and I was meditating without even trying. And I've never experienced that. Mm. What do you mean by that? So the whole point of meditation is to find that that place of quiet, I guess, without it necessarily being about sound. You know, it's the place in between the breath, Mm. at the top of the breath or the bottom of the breath, where the thought is like a cloud. It's gone through your mind and you've let it go. I guess ultimately it's like that is your true nature. That is the place of that is you without your ego that is you without the monkey mind but i had like if i ever ever got to that in meditation it was you know probably for a second and i had to work really hard <laughs> it felt like it was a practice to sit on the cushion and do that mm. and i came in from the balcony and i just sat down on the couch and i just looked out the window and the mind was quiet and and i was content and it was really just so lovely. And I didn't have to put any effort into it. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure how long that was for. Probably not very long. But it didn't have to be for a long time because um, it was enough. It will be interesting to see if it will be easier to get back into that space 
with meditation. Exactly. Yes. Um, I did do a little five minute meditation this morning. Um, but I would like to just have periods of just being able to take some time and not force it, but just allow that state of mind to arise again. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, you know. At least I had it then, and mm. I'm sure at some point in life it'll happen again. Like that moment of soaking in the sun, like that, that's something that I think you can always be able to touch back on. And that feeling of, like you said, it's it, this is all for me. This is a display for me. This is a gift for me. To be able to go back to that throughout your, your life is an incredible gift in and of itself. Can we talk about the weird stuff? What's the weird stuff? Your hour and a half in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> like it's funny. I don't even think that's weird anymore. <laughs> it's not. I'm just playing. It's, it's perfectly normal. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yes. I suspect that more that, that I'll kind of unravel a little bit more as time goes on from sure. that because they're that's where I sort of experienced some uncomfortable moments I guess and I'm not even sure what they were but sometimes there was this feeling that um I don't know if panic or dread is the right word that you could that it's hanging there mm. and you could go off into that mm. or not and and often in those moments when I was kind of feeling that, I kept thinking about family members and thinking, oh, this could never be for them. This would be horrible for them. How would they do this? And then you move through that into something else and then you're laughing hysterically from the gut and your whole perspective has shifted again. And I guess the kind of what I was getting out of that was that You'll always move through it. You'll always move through it. Mm. That's interesting because for me, the potential terror or panic that arises in the mushroom space is generally around losing a loved one. And it inevitably transitions into nothing is permanent. Yeah. Everything is transitory. We all move through it all and it's all okay. Definitely. Yeah, impermanence is the only thing that is certain, mm. um, and it's not a scary thing. Well, it can be. But ultimately, is what but I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 It can be, definitely. Mm. Cause of a lot of anxiety, but this is what we're here for. Mm -hmm. And I do really enjoy the, I mean, the, the discussions afterwards are so important. And even if you don't get insight or meaning from it you take away more tools and more understanding i think there's an added richness to the whole experience certainly certainly it, it's it is the other half i really believe just now you said you didn't think of the your time in the bathroom as weird anymore i'd love it if you could try and explain why that's the case so you know a little more detail you spend an hour and a half in the bathroom laughing like a mad woman yeah um, on the floor with my <laughs> legs in the air on the on the the cabinet and then up against the wall kind of hugging the wall like hair in my face you know like crazy yeah. <laughs> crazy woman <laughs> <laughs> but it was okay but i didn't care so what it what I'm, 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 can we get to that what what is it that makes it okay 
Because when you brought that up today, I thought it, I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Because there is this, you just like, I don't care. I don't care who sees what I'm doing. Like, yeah, whatever. You wouldn't do this right now, but you wouldn't understand. I understand why I'm doing this, and it's okay. And I'm wondering what it is, how you might describe what it is that gets out of the way in order for that to be okay. Well, it's got to be ego, doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that that's, I think, yeah, it's just got to be that that ego, that controlling, um, self-conscious element of ourselves is, you know, silence for a little while. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I guess you experienced the same thing with the tree, right? You said when you were yeah. hugging the tree, like, didn't care. You're aware. I'm thinking, I wonder if the neighbor can see me right now, but I didn't give a shit. Mm. it's great no that's liberation yeah definitely you know i was raised very christian and a lot of words of jesus ring in my head um but there's one statement of something like be like the children and when those things are happening when we're hugging trees or we're rolling around the dirt laughing or we're just laying in the sun like a cat that's what i feel like was being talked about just let go of all the worries of what we think people think and just be. Thank God for whatever it is that you're experiencing and just be thankful and experience it. Yes, definitely. And honestly, that's the greatest thing I got out of it, the ability to just be. And that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful and very powerful thing. Very powerful, and I hope you can take that with you for all of your life. So do I. I may be back, but <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so you had, you had said, you know, all of your life you thought that spirituality or, or these kind of access points weren't for you, everybody else, and and it didn't show up like you read about necessarily. Mm-hmm. Apparently it is for you in your own way. Yes. I think... Um, letting go of expectation and stop um, just stepping out of the self-talk, that self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Um, You know, we talked about it today with, um, you know, another person in the group and I could hear that listen for me as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, I've been there. I've been Mm -hmm. in that situation Mm -hmm. going to the butts all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, but. So I really appreciated where he was coming from, mm-hmm. but but <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just so thrilled that I had managed to step away from that habit. Mm. Um, I don't know if I did it all the time, but I know I've been guilty of it, mm-hmm. and that that has held me back. Likewise, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, we we are our own warden. You know, we let ourselves in Self-saboteurs, yeah. I think, for yeah. sure. For sure. You said something I thought was, or, how was that? You, the way that you expressed your understanding of the mushroom as a sacrament today, I thought was really powerful. And I'd love it if you could kind of share that again. I, I was thinking of it as a direct communion. Is that the point mm-hmm. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, it's, it's a It is a sacrament because it's a way we can go beyond our ego without needing anyone or any permissions or any rules or regulations or books or anything else other than yourself 
and your courage mm. mm-hmm. and or, or your willingness mm-hmm. and um, that direct being able to have the opportunity to have that direct communion with whatever it is you're seeking um, you know the one a source God it doesn't matter it's um, it's sacred because it gives you that opportunity mm-hmm I love how it can be so sacred and so silly all at the same oh, time. Oh, so silly. That's hysterical. Yeah, I love how absurd we are. Mm-hmm. And that makes it more enjoyable. Yes, yes. Oh, we take this thing so seriously. <laughs> yeah, I've really enjoyed that part of it. And so, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Yeah, most people don't. <laughs> yeah. Having gone to so many other retreats and and watched other people go through retreats, what's this like? Yeah, a little bit, again, like we were discussing this morning, I've often felt like uh, I'm the one looking from the outside in at everybody else Mm -hmm. in the club Mm -hmm. doing their thing and not being able to quite make the grade. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I don't feel like it's so as though I'm in the club now. Um, I just feel like I've... I don't know, found something that allowed me to give myself a break to be able to have that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think all those experiences before, all those retreats and all the meditation and all the lessons, I guess, helped me to be here at this moment in this space in the way I was. Mm-hmm. So nothing's wasted. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. And I guess I was referring more to watching the growth of people in a situation like this versus growth in a situation like a yoga or a meditation. Oh, okay. Um, Well, yoga is, you know, it's more physical. It's more um, meeting people where they're at. I mean, everything is. Mm -hmm. But um, particularly in Texas, you know, yoga is a big step for some people. Mm -hmm. You know, some 10 years ago where I lived, it was a lot of people considered it woo-woo. Right. Um, so you see, you see people on their journey making those little improvements in their life and it doesn't even really matter what the setting is or what the, the tool is or mm-hmm. what the modality is. Just seeing, like, even if it's somebody just did their first headstand and they're thrilled, like, I still get a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all on different levels, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, the meditation stuff, you know, I, I guess I've seen some amazing things there for other people. Really deep transformation. But again, it's a different type of tool. It's a it's a discipline. Mm-hmm. Meditation is a discipline. Mm-hmm. It's work. Mm-hmm. But then this is a different type of work. Mm-hmm. But it's a little faster. It's mm-hmm. a little more dramatic, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's a little more fun. <laughs> it's different. And um, I think that's why for someone like me who's a seeker, I like to try different things. And some people just know their lane and they're happy. But sometimes you've got to get out of that lane because you won't you won't discover different things about yourself. Mm, true. So um, I, would, I would encourage people, if you're a little bit curious, to try it for sure when the time's right. Mm-hmm. 
when it feels right. Well, yeah, and you had done some microdosing as well before this, mm-hmm. right? Yes, and that was me putting my toe in. Uh-huh. You know, because I was unsure about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm probably a cautious person, mm-hmm. but microdosing was too subtle for me. I feel like I need the sledgehammer approach. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see any benefits, but people who had done the microcoursing course with me, um, I think people who are more sensitive mm-hmm. in some ways mm-hmm. pick up on those things more. Mm-hmm. And some people are just looking for those little small improvements. And I think for certain things in life, if you just want a little extra creativity or focus or awareness, I mean, it has different effects on different people, then that's the right path for you. I then, as soon as I did that, I went, yeah, I've just got to go and have the full trip. Yeah. And have the full experience. Like you said, all of your work with the long-term meditation and the retreats and the yoga that really preps you for a bigger experience yes absolutely like i said all all the things that i had done made it really easy for me to come here Mm -hmm. and have this experience um i think if people are hesitant then they just have to get comfortable in the way whether they call you or do some reading or do your sunday service there's ways that people can get more familiar so it's not so daunting Mm mm-hmm you know to have an ongoing community to be able to continue integrating and processing these experiences in as well is is very valuable um so do you have a a current vision for your future practice with sacred mushrooms i don't and my husband was kind of asking me that question and i sort of said i i am not sure I mean, I am definitely open to having more experiences down the track. I'd be mm-hmm. kind of sad if I thought that wasn't going to right. be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, how that happens, I am not sure. I'm going to continue reading. Um, I'm going to explore Sanctuary's community. Mm-hmm. I have avenues now, I feel like, mm-hmm. to be able to do that without necessarily going and doing another trip on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, maybe who knows. It's something that I definitely would like to continue exploring. Have we talked about the fact that Sanctuary is opening a an entity in Texas? You had mentioned it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where you're at in that. Yeah, we're filing phase. paperwork right now to establish a, a, a incorporated it in Texas. So maybe you can be part of our local chapter there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you already are part of our chapter our local chapter but an active you know there's just such a growing community and it excites me to no end to think about building these communities where people near their homes can continue to work together as community and just you know build the solidarity around this Uh, it's it's still you know this has been my life for 25 years it's just ridiculous that we have to validate this as a spiritual practice but the more people like yourselves that come forward and say raise my hand this is part of my spiritual practice uh, it will eventually be a voice that that has to be heard yeah I think um, it makes me feel really sad if people would like to explore this and they don't have the information um, they feel there's too many obstacles, um, the legalities put them off. That's just really sad. Um, and I'm, 
I'm looking forward to the day that it's much more open and accepting and it's obviously on the way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great work that you're able to start extending this service. Thank you. And I would like to say that, you know, the work that you're doing here being a part of this community is helping to brick by brick, person by person, build that foundation for a future. I absolutely envision a future where psilocybin churches are every bit as maybe not prominent, but maybe as your typical Protestant or whatever branch or even your Buddhist temples. You know, there are, what is it, 300 million people in the U.S.? If a third of those people were working with psilocybin as a sacrament, sacred practice, then that's an enormous groundswell. So uh, we'll see where it all goes. It's a wild ride. It is indeed. So what does psilocybin say to you? Go forth, be brave, and enjoy the ride. I love it. Thank you, Smith. Oh, you're welcome. Drum.